This is episode 26 with Jennifer Gelfand. Hello and welcome to the Love Yourself to Happiness show, a podcast inspired by modern women like you. We are your hosts, Maya and Michaela. Each week you'll get an infusion of tips, daily routines, tools, and rituals from our favorite experts that will inspire you to create the life of your dreams and make it a reality. All this information is free, so please subscribe to and review our podcast. We also want to invite you to join our free private Facebook group called Energized Mama Tribe. We are also offering a free masterclass, five steps to get 10 or more hours of free time in your week. Lastly, we're offering free breakthrough calls with us to help implement the tools we teach you in the class. Links to all of these free resources are in the show notes. So grab a cup of coffee or tea, sit back, and welcome to Love Yourself to Happiness. Jen Gelfand is a physical therapist and yoga teacher specializing in women's health and pelvic floor rehabilitation. Jen received her doctorate in physical therapy from Simmons College and also received her 200-hour yoga teacher certification from Wellheart Yoga School. She and her husband, also a physical therapist, were drawn to Portland area for its rich community, amazing outdoor accessibility, and proximity to family. Over the years as a therapist, Jen has continued to enhance her physical therapy skills through additional training in women's health and pelvic floor rehabilitation to complement her extensive experience in orthopedics and movement quality-based therapies. With a desire to help achieve wellness for her patients, Jen blends traditional physical therapy principles with yoga and a holistic approach to healing injury. She combines manual therapy, yoga-based therapeutic exercises, and education in order to restore healthy, pain-free movement patterns and to improve function and well-being. She also has co-developed and co-led a yoga and pelvic floor workshop series called Grounded Goddess, a workshop for women to learn how to achieve pelvic floor health through yoga. Jen also enjoys cycling, practicing yoga in local studios in her greater Portland area, as well as getting outside as much as possible with her friends and family. All right. Welcome, everyone. Welcome, Jen. We are so happy to have you here today. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. All right. So we're going to just dive right in. Can you tell us a little bit about your personal life, something that wasn't mentioned in your bio, and your journey to yoga and physical therapy? Sure. So I'm a mom of two, and my oldest is four, and my youngest is about two and a half now. And we live in the Portland area, and I'm so lucky that I've landed a, um, a professional life, a job at this clinic called Jade Integrated Health. Um, at this job, I get to um, do pretty much like everything I want to do for my professional life all during the day, which is really amazing for me uh, to just find some of that balance. So I can treat my patients, I can teach yoga classes in the middle of the day and do private yoga sessions all within my, I guess it's not really a nine to five, but within my work day. So then I can go home and be with my kids at night and on the weekends. Um, so I'm really grateful for that. And I was originally drawn to physical therapy as a profession because even like as young as a teen, I knew I wasn't going to really be able to sit at a desk for my work. Like I was just too antsy, too active. I knew I really wanted to be moving my own body. Um, and I also really just really wanted to help other people be able to do the same thing. So actually, when my mom, growing up, my mom was an aerobics instructor, and she um, worked full time. And then in the night, two hours, she would do two classes, she would fill this gymnasium with people doing step aerobics, because that was the thing at the time. And she'd be up there on the step and 
filling this space with all these people who would be coming to her at the end of her workday, looking just to, you know, find some, um, you know, move their bodies and find some inspiration. And so we would be the little kids in the back, kind of like bouncing around. Um, and I didn't realize at the time how that would really influence my desire and what I wanted to do. But looking back, that definitely um, played a big role in what I was looking to do in my life. Um, and then I just, as I started studying, I started really being fascinated with how the body uh, moves and anatomy, physiology, and really how the body heals. And so, um, you know, I think that when we're, you know, when we're born, if we're lucky enough and through our life, when we can move freely without pain, um, we just are really given this gift. And then once we have an injury or something limits that, um, I think going through that whole process of recovery really gives us that perspective of what a gift it really is and really allows us to kind of live throughout the rest of our life without really taking that for granted, maybe as much as we might otherwise. So really passionate about helping people find their way back to the things that they love um, for that reason. And so physical therapy was really a natural option. I wasn't really interested in going to med school. I really wanted to be able to spend a lot of time with my patients and um, really help them personally. And so I found yoga. I actually hadn't practiced yoga until I was in physical therapy school. And I was, I really came to physical therapy school with a really long history of running. And I just basically went and ran the same six mile loop pretty much every day. Um, I didn't really train. I didn't cross train. I wasn't trying to win any races. It was really just for my stress management and to really help me um, just really kind of like get through the day and just get into my breath. Um, but I just, there was no balance really there. And I ended up having an injury and I had to step away from running. Um, I ended up having a hip surgery. And then I realized that my body wasn't really meant to be just doing that repetitive movement. And that's when I found myself in yoga. So I ended up just walking into this really hot packed Baptiste yoga studio in Boston. And I was like, I don't even know how I got in there, but I was in the back and I followed along. And basically, I never went back. Like, I just knew I was going to spend the rest of my life on a yoga mat. So um, it's just given me the same types of tools as running, but just so much more balance and um, so much more in the spiritual way as well. So really grateful for that. And that's really how it came into my life was from having an injury and having to really step away from what my um, go-to um, self-care and, you know, stress management tools were. So I ended up knowing that I wanted to teach yoga, but I was traveling for a few years with my husband. And so we would end up going from place to place uh, for about three months at a time. And so I never really could settle into a community enough to get training. So when I moved to Portland, I was pregnant with my daughter and I signed up for yoga training. And then about a month later, I found out I was pregnant with my son. So I ended up, <laughs> so I ended up thinking, should I do this now? Should I wait? And I really, um, I just decided to go for it. And it ended up being a totally different experience than I had expected. And instead of really like doing advanced yoga postures and standing on my head, I ended up really like toning everything down and really getting into my own space and really listening and just going inward. Um, so the experience that I had in yoga training really, um, really was what I needed at the time. So that's really what brought me to yoga and um, physical therapy and bringing the two together just happened naturally. So I think that as I started feeling it in my own body, I started realizing that my patients really could benefit from a lot of the same things that I was doing with yoga. And so I experimented with bringing it in and, um, and ever since I've really been able to, to bring it into my work at Jade, I've really been, you know, it, they go hand in hand now. So. Wow. I love that story. And you know, there's a few things in there I just wanted to mention. So 
one thing is, you know, how you found yoga was through hip surgery. I mean, most people, you know, like you always have a choice within those like hard situations and you, you know, you chose yoga. And I also, you know, I think that yoga finds you. So you were like, I don't know how I got there, but like, I know my experience with yoga. It literally found me. It was just like, okay, you're ready. Mm -hmm. And it's been journey since. And um, lastly, like it just shows how, you know, like a parent can positively impact our children. So like you watching your mom teach and now this is like your mission, your profession. I just find that so beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, it is. So, it's really amazing. Looking back, because I didn't know it the whole time, you know. It like completes the whole circle, right? Yeah. <laughs> so can you well, define... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say that, and the beautiful thing is that your mom probably didn't even realize what an influence you were or she was on you, you know? It's mm-hmm. so cool how you can be modeling that and it is affecting them without you even like really trying, you know, all the things that we try so hard at in mothering. Yeah. And it just happened. So the interesting thing is that I think she kind of had to do it. Like she, she, um, you know, I think she was trying to make some more money and she, she really had to spend that time away from us. And so she probably at the time thought, you know, that she was actually doing the opposite and instead it really made like a really great influence. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's why you can't feel guilty as a mom when you're doing what you love, you know, and essentially that's what we teach moms. And, you know, Maya and I also get to do what we love. And, you know, sometimes that spills over into motherhood, but I don't mind because it's all positive and, you know, she'll get to learn from it as well. So moving on, can you define happiness for you? Yes. So happiness, I think, is something that can change um, depending on where we are in our life. And I think it's a great thing, though, because then we can really like say, all right, I'm in this moment. What's what's making me happier? What is happiness right now? Um, And for me at this time in my life, happiness is really feeling connected to my gratitude, Um, really just being able to stay in the moment and and feel that, you know, purpose in the moment. What's that? I'm really where I should be. where I'm really supposed to be. And, um, and actually being able to be in this moment without fear. So throughout my life, there's definitely some times in my life that I struggled with anxiety. And I think that, um, you know, wanting to having a lot of pressure on myself or really wanting to just have um, really, you know, high standards. And so I would make choices based on fear or, you know, just, in a, or thinking about the past or the future instead of really being in the moment. Um, and so I really think that, you know, the times when I've been able to step away from that and really be present is really true happiness. Mm, awesome. Thank you. So we like to talk a lot about morning and evening routines. They're a big part of our lives. So could you share with us what your morning and evening routines look like? Sure. Um, so because I have the two young children, it definitely is a journey trying to figure out what works. I'm definitely a creature of habit. So I know that when I get into like a bout where I'm really good with my routines, I'm, I'm definitely more grounded. So it's a goal that I always have to keep just like working and allowing it to evolve. Um, I would say lately when things are going the most smoothly is when I'm up at 5 a.m., So at first it was to wake up at 5 a.m. so that I could be up at least a half hour before my kids, get in the shower, do the rest of my things, and then be able to have a little more attention on them. 
Um, and then of course, as this became a thing, my daughter started getting up earlier and earlier. So, you know, I think that the big piece of this is just trying to like keep reinventing it. Um, but I can't get up any earlier than five. So that's, that's my boundary there. Um, so, but I get up at five and I would say that the thing that I need to do first is take a shower. And it's pretty much always the case unless I'm running off to do like a workout. Um, because I just think the water being in the shower just really grounds me. And also I think that I've just gotten used to that being time for myself. So I pretty much like immediately go in the shower. Um, and I would say other than that, if I have water by the side of my bed, I try to take it with me into the shower so that I can hydrate right away. Cause I think that, um, it's really easy to get halfway through my day and realize that I've basically only had coffee or tea or my smoothie and then feel really dehydrated. So if I can start with water, at least I'm starting off with that intention. Um, and I always make my bed. And I started this actually a really long time ago when I think somebody told me, you know, you have to make your bed. It'll get you so that, you know, you set the tone for the rest of the day. But also I think I started thinking of it as like a, like I was afraid that if I didn't make my bed that some, I'd have a bad day. And it was really interesting when I realized that. And then I was like, oh, I'm not going to make my bed and see what happens and that whole thing. But I think at this point, I've just realized that I just feel good when I do. I feel like I'm just setting a good intention. So basically, I don't leave my house without my bed made. <laughs> and, um, and then the, the thing I've been trying to do lately is I set like a little notebook next to my bed. And um, this doesn't always happen, but I like to just write down a couple things that I feel grateful for. And I've, I think that, you know, um, through reading something or talking to somebody, it was a suggestion. And I thought, how hard could it be to just add that little thing in? And, and I, some mornings I do it and some mornings I don't. And then I realize the mornings I do, I just feel better. And so it really encourages me to kind of keep doing that. And it really doesn't take any time at all. So there's not like a lot of pressure. Like I don't really have to write much. Um, and then I usually always have a plant-based smoothie to get my protein in. Um, and I have this other really interesting morning thing that started when I was pumping breast milk for my son. I, I was pumping all the time for him and I had to pump before work. And so I would put these, um, my pump bra on and we'd get in the car and I would pump with the kids in the car on the way to daycare. Cause basically like they wouldn't let me do it at home and I didn't have time at work. And so I was like, well, I guess we're just going to strap them in and I'm going to pump. And so I was like, well, where do I go? I don't know, like, I don't want people to see me and stuff. So I ended up just driving to the beach and I live pretty close to the beach. And so we would sit and then if it was nice enough, I would roll the window down and play a little bit of music and we'd all like breathe in the salty air. And it was just kind of like, because I didn't know what else to do. And then when I stopped pumping and I, that whole thing was over, um, you know, the kids kept asking me, can we go to the beach? Can we, can we stop by the beach? And like, okay. And so it just started turning into this thing that we all do whenever we have time now before work. And it just, sometimes it's like two seconds, but it's just so nice to be connected with the ocean and be starting the day that way. Um, and sometimes there's those surfers out there in the cold water and it's pretty inspiring to see that they're starting their day that way too. So, um, I would say that's how my morning usually goes. And we don't get to the beach every day or anything, but more often than not, we do, which is really awesome. So my evening routine is not nearly that full. Um, I usually just basically um, try to make it to my bed at a decent hour. And if I do have time, I'll listen to like a little guided meditation. Sometimes I use Headspace and it might be three minutes um, just to kind of get myself transitioned into sleep. Um, but I don't feel like I need an evening routine as much as I need a morning routine. So. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. I love that. You've actually inspired me. We have a 
pretty nice park and beach. Um, maybe about an eight-hour drive. I mean, eight-hour, eight-minute drive. <laughs> no, um, and it could be on the way to her daycare. So that's actually a beautiful idea. Like once it gets warmer outside, to maybe go for like a five-minute walk together, you know, and then connect and you know sort of part our ways for the day for our work day (laughs) I love that love that so can you share with us three self-care practices that you just can't live without sure so I think I touched on some of that um, in my morning routine for sure but I would say one is water in so many ways so like my shower the ocean drinking water, like all of those things. Like, I just think that I, I'm so connected. I don't know, maybe because I'm a water sign, but I feel like it's just- What sign are you? Cancer. Me too. <laughs> Love the water. Yes, exactly. And it was funny because I was like, I'm thinking about like, all right, so what kind of self-care do I do? And it's so much of it is related to water. Um, and then I would say movement. So, because I think that, um, you know, yoga, when I can get into a studio and I do try to take my own classes, if I can. So at least twice a week, I'm lucky to be able to take it at work sometimes on my lunch break. Um, and then I try to go one night a week after work or on the weekend. Um, so that's really important for me. And then actually another thing with movement is this year, one of my um, mantras is to really like practice what I preach. So I'm, you know, I'm two years postpartum, but I think sometimes us caregivers tend to care for others better than ourselves. And there are a lot of ways that I've been neglecting my own, um, women's health, postpartum issues. And so I'm really just really um, inspired this year to really get into my own PT exercises way more consistently than I'd done before. So um, I would say that that movement is really important for me. And then one of the things that I don't do that I've just recently realized I need to add back in is cardio. Cause I kind of started with running and you know, that really was a big piece for me. And then, you know, there's obviously there's only so much time. And so I really, done so much yoga, which I love, but I think that I need to get a little bit more, more cardio and more movement in. So that is part of my self-care plan for the year. Um, so water movement, and then I would say connection. So I really, really, um, I feel like I'm giving myself self-care when I'm reaching out to the people in my life that matter to me. So whether it's my friends that live far away that just like I recheck with them and they inspire me and it grounds me or whether it's just like somebody who, you know, one of my neighbors or a good friend who can just come to a yoga class with me um, or just, you know, spending time with my husband. So I would say like really connecting with people is, a, is my third self-care. And I know I've been neglecting my self-care when it's been a while since I've picked up the phone and really reached out. So, yeah. Awesome. So I just wanted to expand a little bit on that. You talked a little bit about wanting to practice what you preach. And can you expand a little bit on the postpartum PT exercises that you preach? Sure. Um, So for (laughs) me, and really briefly, because there's a lot, I mean, so many things, especially when it's your own body that you notice when you're um, in this field. But I would say my biggest thing for me is I have diastasis recti, which is super common um, postpartum. Um, it's a separation of the abdominal wall. And I don't even know if I would describe it as a separation as much as just like a widening of that first layer of the abdominal wall. Um, but my second pregnancy and my second um just postpartum time, I really experienced a a pretty big one. And for a while, even though that's something that I help a lot of women with, I just really didn't kind of go there for myself and didn't really um, care for that the way that I should have. And so 
Um, there are lots of breath work exercises and um, pelvic stability exercises that help with that. And, um, and just being more mindful about not doing movements like doing sit-ups or, you know, launching myself up out of bed or, or lifting something heavy without proper breath pattern. Um, it's really just being mindful in the moment with the knowledge. So it's really just kind of knowing what um, my body can handle and then actually just being really mindful and intelligent about how I'm doing that versus just being distracted and, um, and, and not necessarily giving it the attention it needs. Yeah. Can awesome. you share Thank with you. us a, a breathing exercise or maybe like a visualization or, or I don't know, something like that? Yeah, absolutely. So I would say that especially, well, it gets more complicated because um, the diastasis recti also is connected to pelvic floor dysfunction. Um, and so I would say that it gets a little complicated because in, in treating the at least my diastasis, it's also about bringing in pelvic floor um, function as well. So maybe I'll talk a little bit about that. Sure, um, please. So with the pelvic floor, um, so the, it's a muscle group that is at the, basically it's at the bottom of the pelvis and it sits in the pelvic bowl. So basically you could imagine your abdominal cavity. If you took everything out and you look down, so like into the pelvis, we have this, these few layers of muscle that sits in there basically like a little hammock or a sling. And those muscles, they worked for a lot of things, um, but they support our whole abdominal cavity. And they connect to the abdominal muscles too, and to the low back, and to the diaphragm. And so they play a huge role in our quote-unquote core strength. And so that's why they're so connected to the abdominal muscles and how we engage those. But um, it's really important for the pelvic floor muscles to be strong. And it's also really important for them to be able to fully relax and expand and release. And so I would say that one of the real simple ways of bringing in pelvic floor function would be to use the pelvic floor with breath. So as the pelvic floor engages and lifts and supports, we, it works with our exhale. So we can think of taking a big breath in where the pelvic floor relaxes and expands. And then as we exhale, we can draw the pelvic floor up and in. So it's almost like you're closing the flow of urine or stopping a bowel movement. So you're squeezing and lifting through that exhale and not holding our breath. And then on the inhale, letting it go. And so we can take that into like if we were to go lift something. So we would exhale with that exertion and draw up and in with the pelvic floor. Sometimes we use the term gather and lift. And so then the most the really important thing is to follow that activation with release. Um, and because it's really interesting because I think that we often think of the pelvic floor as being weak if we're having a problem. But I would say more often than not, we are having the, the muscles end up not working properly because they're not able to relax fully. We're holding tension. Um, there might be scar tissue. And so we kind of, we need to be able to have that control and coordination of the pelvic floor really before we can create that power and that endurance to be able to give it that strength that we need as well. Oh, I love wow. that. Thank, Thank you so you. much for sharing. Of course. And can you share with us what is one of your favorite books or book recommendations or, you know, something that you're reading right now? Sure. So I recently read Daring Greatly by Brené Brown. Um, 
And I actually bought the book, I think when it first came out, somebody mentioned it to me and I bought it. And then I just, it ended up like in a box somewhere and I forgot all about it. And I didn't even realize, I didn't remember I bought it until I saw it again. And I was like, oh yeah, I had this book before. Um, but I think, I think when you were talking about how yoga finds you, I think that um, it's, <laughs> I think this book found me like right at the right time. Um, Cause as I was reading it, I was just like, yes to like everything. Um, but so she talks a lot about the power of vulnerability and about the courage of really being um, our authentic selves and really putting ourselves out there in our life and the power of, of what our life can become as a result of that and not necessarily holding back in fear and you know maybe not putting, putting ourselves out there. Um, and so she goes through a whole book of so many examples of this. And, um, you know, and, and I, she talks about living our life in the arena and I really like this because she, it's a really simple visualization about um, how, you know, if we're really being vulnerable and we're putting ourselves out there, then we're really, you know, we're, our life is playing out in the arena, not necessarily in the stands. So we're like down in our true life. And then the people that are living there with us, they are also in the arena. And those are the people that are going to really love us for who we are. And so, you know, those are the people that matter. And the people that are in the stands are the ones that, you know, this is how she describes it. And I just loved it. And the people that are in the stands are the ones that um, it doesn't really matter. And so I think that we can tend to kind of worry about how the people in the stands will receive our authenticity and then just kind of freeze. And so I just, it's just one of those things where I'm like, yes, living in the arena like that, you know, wake up in the morning and like, go live in the arena. <laughs> so I just really, really love that. And then I think the other two pieces of this book um, that really were great for me right now in my life is she has a whole section on perfectionism. And so she just, I mean, it's really simple, but one of her quotes she said is perfectionism is the enemy of done. And um, it made me think of a conversation I had with one of my friends who we were talking and she was telling me how she wanted to start her own business. And she was like, you know, I want to do it, but I just want it to be perfect before I start. And as soon as, and I had already read the book at that point, and I was like, exactly. I completely relate to that so much on so many levels, not necessarily about starting a business, but just like really anything. And um, would we ever really start? You know, is perfection really any, ever going to be there, right? So I just, it was just one of those moments where I was like, yes, you know, it's just so, it's so applicable and so simple, but so powerful. Um, she talks a lot about self-compassion. And so I think that plays so much into being vulnerable because as soon as you put yourself out there, you know, you really have to own that compassion because it's not always going to go like perfect. And then you have to kind of be like, all right, you know, um, this is why I do this. You know, maybe I'll, I'll make mistakes and I grow from it. Um, and then actually you guys were talking a little bit earlier about this other piece about modeling, but she has a whole chapter on parenting and she talks a lot about, um, modeling behavior and self-worthiness and I think that really plays into self-care because basically you know if if our children are watching us like let's say I go to a yoga class and I feel bad because I really want to go and and do that but then I feel like I want to I should be home but if I stay home I'm just going to be distracted and not feel fulfilled and if I go then you know they see me feeling you know like really like giving to myself. And also they just see like that positive sort of decision to really care for our bodies, which is a huge piece. Mm -hmm. um, and then she also talks a lot about how this really works for their inner dialogue. And so how basically like 
you know, as we're, as we're young, we might naturally have this feeling of worthiness, but then as we get older, we question it. But if you have it ingrained in your inner dialogue that you have that worthiness just by seeing and learning from your parents, then, then um, at least there's that. At least that's like the best we can do for our kids is just like hope to give them that. Um, so this book was awesome. <laughs> if you haven't read it, I just, it's perfect. I'm putting it on my Amazon <laughs> wish list. Yeah, it's great. It's such I actually have a free credit right now, so that works out. Perfect. And, you know, it's funny because it takes me so long to read books because I don't have ever have time to read. And somehow that book went down in like three days. That's amazing. And the fact that you had it for a while and then it just kind of, you know, fell into your lap. Exactly. Right? I don't even, I had to buy it again and I didn't even remember I had it in the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> so awesome. that, that's probably the book I'd say. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks so much for sharing that. So can you tell us about which area you find your clients struggle with the most and what your best advice is for them? Sure. So <clears throat> I would say, so I don't only see women and I don't only see women who are um, pregnant or postpartum, but it's a huge majority of, of my patient um, population right now. So, and that's probably where I definitely see the most struggle. Um, so I would say that, you know, this transition into motherhood in general is just, filled with so many different um, elements of struggle. And nobody can tell us how hard it's gonna be until we're there. And then all of a sudden we're left there and we basically wanna try to do everything right. And so we feel like, okay, I have to, you know, I have to, you know, be the best mother, I have to do all of these things, what's going on? And so I think we reach out for um, you know, how to be the best mother by comparing it first, because we don't really know what else to do. We don't really have any, you know, um, really any other perspective. And so I think comparing ourselves to others or our own really high expectations is a, are really big challenges for women going through this time. Um, and I think it takes a really long time to really get to that other side of realizing that maybe, you know, we look back and we want to get to a place like, let's say with our body. So we want to get stronger. We want to feel more comfortable. So we think back to who we were, or what our bodies were like then. And then, so we go back to those old tools and maybe that means like we get the six week okay from the OBGYN or the midwife to go back to all our old exercises. And so we're like, all right, now I can do this. I'm going to go back and I'm going to like really like get into it. And then maybe we go back too soon or everything is so unfamiliar in the body that we just don't do anything and we dissociate from it. And we just kind of end up not caring for ourselves at all because it's overwhelming. So I think there's a couple extremes there that can happen. And I think both of us can, both of them can leave us feeling really lost. And um, I don't think the media helps because I think there's so many programs out there that's like, get your body back in eight weeks. And, um, and women aren't really educated on the possible risks of, you know, worsening symptoms they may already either know they have or maybe don't even know they have yet. So pelvic floor issues, low back pain, abdominal injuries, like the one I was describing earlier, um, that's actually a really common one because people get back to wanting to do crunches and sit-ups and, um, and then that can actually lead to a lot, a big, much worse scenario. And then I might see them, you know, a few months down the line or even a few years down the line. And then, you know, they'll say, well, how could I just wish I had known better. I wish I, I had some better, um, you know, information earlier on. So I think that that's a really big struggle um, with, with these women. And I think that also just going through these transitions and having be so overwhelming physically can manifest in a lot of ways. Like we end up just breathing really shallow 
or, you know, really having dysfunctional posture, having tension in areas and um, not only the pelvic floor and the hips, but also in the neck and shoulders and places like that. And so I think that um, so many of these things can just all of a sudden get overwhelming and we're not able to do the daily things that we want to do. So I would say, I mean, first of all, my biggest advice for for women who are struggling during this would be just to to reach out, to ask for help, um, and just get informed on what your unique needs are. So whether or not that's um, finding a physical therapist who might do like a free consult, or maybe just reaching out to another professional who might just be able to tell you whether or not you might have a diastasis, or there might be a pelvic floor issue, just talking about your symptoms with somebody who can help, um, just get you going in the right direction so it doesn't feel so overwhelming. And then just, I think in general, just reaching out to people who can relate. So I think postpartum can be a really isolating time and um, a time where it can look like everyone else has it together and nobody, nobody does. And yeah. so I think that um, just really like finding people in that same situation is just like, at least that was like my lifeline at the time for me. And in the clinic, I would say one of the other challenges, it's a little more just like circumstantial, but is that, you know, I can tell somebody, go and do these PT exercises, go do this self-care, because I like to think of it as self-care more than just like homework, but it's the struggle in getting that in and being consistent is so real. Like, it's not like somebody's being lazy or they don't want to get better. It's like, it's such a reality. And so, you know, when I was a physical therapist before I was really treating this large, you know, this population and as a majority, I mean, you'd see people all the time who just make excuses and not necessarily get better because the consistency wasn't there. But in this scenario, it's just, you have to get so creative and figuring out how to get it in. And so I think because I'm on the journey most of the time with my patients. Um, I really like, I try really hard to just like, you know, what is your life like right now? And how, where can we put in maybe one or two breath exercises or yoga poses or strengthening exercises? How can we attach that to something you're already doing? Like maybe brushing your teeth or, um, you know, something like that. And so that it doesn't seem so overwhelming and that it doesn't get so discouraging. Um, and just really making small achievable goals and realizing that it actually takes a lot longer to get to a place where maybe we expect to be and that that's okay. You know, and just really giving ourselves that time. Oh, such great advice. Wow. Yes. Thank you. Can you tell us what is your favorite success story with a client? All right. So um, my favorite success story is it's really, really hard. I, it's really hard to pick one only because I've, I've worked in physical therapy for quite a while, maybe like nine or 10 years. And so, you know, I've worked in settings where like hospitals and rehab settings where people, um, are, you know, are, have lost their ability to walk. Right. So I might, you know, I've, I've been brought to tears by just helping people get up and, and walk again. Um, or have had like a lot of really crazy challenges that we've been able to achieve that maybe we didn't think we would and how amazing that is. But I would say within the work that I do now, um, there's a woman that actually comes to my mind that I, that I worked with when I was working at my past job at a place where we saw a lot of refugee patients um, or people that um, came from all over the world. And this particular woman came from Africa. Um, she, it was evident that she was, had gone through a lot of trauma and a lot of um, uh, just, she definitely was not, her healthcare was not, um, 
was not what it needed to be for her. And she came to me and we were doing our treatments and our, our physical therapy through a phone interpreter. And so we had this language barrier, we had this cultural barrier. And she had, she came to me with a pretty intense, really sensitive hip pain that was a result of a surgery she had done in her um, native country. And she it was a long time ago, so there was a lot of scar tissue, and it was really interesting. I couldn't even really make out exactly anatomically what was going on because there was just so much scar tissue, and it was really deep. And she didn't really want me to touch it, and she really didn't want to move. And she developed, like, a lot of fear around moving and around the pain in her hip. Um, and so traditional physical therapy, you know, we really need to get in and, like, start working on that scar tissue and really having her move and you know, I, I started realizing she's, she doesn't want me to, to really, to, to try those things. And it wasn't really effective. And so, um, I started thinking about yoga and I started to think about, okay, well, you know, what can we do here? She definitely needs to start breathing. So we just started with breath and then we started with some gentle, once she started feeling a little more um, in her body, we just started with some simple movements and then got into some postures and we got to flowing and, so I look back on this now and, you know, we got to a point where she was like on this yoga mat in the middle of a gym doing yoga, um, moving her body pain-free. We were like basically like making jokes and laughing and it was just, we were really connecting, um, you know, and, and then in the beginning, just seeing how difficult it was to connect and that with all of those barriers, like I was still able to offer her something and it was it was what she needed. It was really amazing to watch. And that was really my first yoga one-on-one -on -one looking back. So I do these yoga one-on-ones at Jade where um, I'll see a patient maybe for a different therapist um, for a yoga session that's really um, individual for their needs using physical therapy, but really through yoga. And so this woman, you know, I just, it was just like an experiment. And, um, but if I look back, it's pretty much how the yoga one-on-ones go. So it was really cool because it was my first one. Um, and yeah, I'll never forget her for sure. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. Of course. I also just really quickly, I mean, I won't get into all of my pelvic floor and my postpartum patients, but I can say that um, it's always a success story for me to have women who have gone through, um, you know, the transition into motherhood and have had pelvic floor, um, maybe they've had incontinence or pelvic pain or, um, you know, um, scar tissue pain or just any kind of difficulties like that on top of caring for their newborn or maybe they have twins and they have another baby at home or they're working whatever their challenges are um it always feels like such a success when when they can say to me like i can breathe again or i feel like myself again or they feel like they have some power back into their life so um i won't i won't keep you guys here for two hours talking about all those patients but i can say that each one of those is are just such a success story for me so that's amazing. You have such an amazing gift. Um, and I love the adaptability. You know, you, you were having trouble connecting and you figured out how to make it work for her. And it was a success. That's so awesome. All right. So the next thing we want to talk about is what was the best decision of your life up until this point? All right. So what a question. <laughs> um, so I think it's hard because one decision we make, we, right, it leads us to the next decision. And because we made that decision, we have the opportunity to make another. Um, so it's a really, really tough question to answer. But I would say that as far as one thing that maybe I chose to do, that's really kind of shaped who I am now in all my relationships. So 
um, and professionally as well was walking into that yoga studio when I was in injury, you know, I, I was, I felt broken. Like I lost my, I lost my coping mechanism and I went in there and I just kind of was open to, I didn't know what I was walking into and all the doors that have opened since then and all the tools that that's allowed me to have. So I would say truly that's one of the best decisions, but I can't leave this conversation without saying, obviously having my family and my children, um, you know, our children are as, I'm sure you've heard, and this is a very common quote, but you know, our children are our best teachers, but they really do teach us what we need to learn in the moments um, and navigating the relationship with my husband during such like a crazy time as well. So, mm, yeah, wow, absolutely. So can you tell us when do you feel most empowered? Hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, I think success story is kind of, um, speak for themselves. Um, I would say other, other times that I feel empowered, um, when I'm, when I'm teaching a yoga class, because I'm actually really shy. And there was a, there was a time when I just could never even imagine myself up there holding space for all of, all of the people in the, in the room and, um, and speaking and offering the, the, um, the gift that yoga is to all of these people. So I would say that when I'm, I'm teaching a class and I feel really connected, I had this one student actually in my yoga class that had been coming since the beginning of my time at Jade. And she, she was sitting in front of me and she said to me, yoga has changed the way I talk to myself. And I was, and she just said it, she was talking to me and some other people and it was just out of the blue, but I thought there it is. That's it. That is completely it. Like that is why I'm here. That's why I come here and I have other people lead me. I mean, this, that's what it's all about is our inner dialogue and like how we, how we live our life. Right. Um, and so, I think yoga is able to do that so beautifully because you're in a space where you like physically and just spiritually open your heart to, to listening, you know, to the teacher or sometimes, you know, a class online or something like that. And so it's so subconscious and it's like nice to be able to like plant those seeds, you know, each time you visit a class. And I think that's what it does. One of the main things. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, that's, I think those are the times. The only other time, the other thing that recently I felt really empowered was my colleague and I have um, created this pelvic floor and yoga workshop. And so we've, um, it's a two hour little event that we've put out that we've created that we, we talk a lot about, we teach a lot about pelvic floor health and function, and then we bring it into a yoga practice. So we'll, um, you know, both how the pelvic floor awareness can really help enhance the yoga practice. And then also just how yoga itself can really help with pelvic floor health. So we did this, our second one a couple of weeks ago, and it went so much better than our first one. It just felt way more like in the flow. Um, and the part that really felt empowering to me was that we were really sharing this together. Like it was the two of us in our like our heart like we were giving our hearts out to these women all at once like you know I work one-on-one with a lot of people um, around these issues and but being in a space where we can all talk about it together was just really really empowering so yeah yeah awesome thank you so much um so can you tell us about your most challenging time in your life and how you overcame it yes how much time do we have (laughs) (laughs) no the reason I say that I'll be brief um so I, I have three, I have three times in my life, I would say that were the most challenging for me for really different reasons. One of them came early and then two of them are surrounding um, my children. 
So really briefly, the first one, just because it was the first time I was ever really like shaken um, with a really unexpected um, something that happened that was, um, I really had to figure out how to overcome, um, was my dad has a, um, a brain injury. And when I was 25, he fell off a, um, a second story building and he um, landed and he I was actually at the time I was at the beach with my friend. I was in my first year outside of um, grad school. So I was back at work, I was starting to work and I was just having, you know, a fun Saturday and I got a call and um, I needed to rush to Boston. My dad was on an airplane coming into MGH. And so without going into a lot of detail, we're so lucky he was, um, he he survived and, um, you know, his life was forever changed. All of ours was, but, um, he watching him really have to like find his independence again and everything from learning how to walk again to learning that maybe he wasn't going to be able to identify with his work life anymore um and then he didn't really have any significant others so he had my sister and i for advocates and as a 25 year old i think that was just a really big deal to try to figure out like my role in that that he's my my dad and yet i really needed to be caring for him um, and so, you know, as how I overcame that, I think that, um, actually I was in yoga class this morning and the teacher said to me, like some things you just, what did she say? She said, some, sometimes there's, there's something just to be said for going through something. And I would say that's really it. Like just going through it, living it, and then learning the gifts afterwards. And he really, like our relationship is obviously very different now than it was, but, it, it's so much more dynamic. There's a lot more gratitude. Um, it was the first time I ever really realized like anything, you know, life can really change in a moment. So I would say that was my, that was the first real big challenge for me. Um, but I went through a couple other challenging things that um, I think that I, at least, at least part of this relates to a lot of the women that I work with. Um, after I had my daughter, so she's four and a half now, but um, I, I actually, you know, I think we prepare for um, what it's going to be like on the other side and we prepare and we prepare and I prepared for basically everything except um, really what happened and I didn't expect it, but I ended up having a pretty significant amount of um, postpartum anxiety and depression. And I, I went through this time where it was really isolating, but I didn't have language for it. She was really lethargic and um, didn't, we had a lot of issues around nursing and um I just really struggled. I struggled to figure out. I worried a lot if she was going to be okay. And um, I didn't really have resources yet. I was kind of new to the community. So I didn't really know who to reach out to. Um, and so, you know, I did. I ended up getting a lot of, you know, help from my family and my friends. And I think going back to work was a really big thing for me um, because I was able to kind of get into that life again. Um, and I also just think watching my daughter start to really thrive. So she ended up really doing well. And then I was really able to kind of get to the other side of that. Wow. So, thank you so yeah. much. Beautiful stories. I love listening to you. Oh, thanks. <laughs> and to conclude this beautiful interview, can you tell us three things that you're most recently grateful for? Um, so I would say my life. Um, and I, I, I can't, you know, so I actually, after my, son was born, I almost um, didn't make it to the other side. So I ended up um, having a pretty significant emergency surgery after he was born. And so I, I came through that and all of a sudden I was gifted gratitude. Like it was 
strange. I actually don't think I really had this. I didn't really understand gratitude until then. And we were, um, it was interesting because the whole community around me supported me through that. And one of my coworkers ended up leaving like a, a cooler outside in front of my house and the neighbors and my coworkers and my friends, they all ended up feeding us for two months. Like we barely had to cook and I just felt held by the community. And so gratitude and for my life was like, really, I, I gave up trying to make everything perfect and trying to like do everything right. And just was just so happy to just be able to be. And, and so, I mean, that goes with, you know, gratitude for my family, being healthy, um, being able to actually be a parent, being able to be a wife, being able to be a friend um, just every day. You know, I, that gratitude is, is there. And, and it's all because I kind of went through this sort of scary time. Um, but, but without that, I don't know. The perspective would be so different. So, Right. Well, thank you so, so much, much for, for being such a, so candid. Yes. Yeah. You're a hero to your clients, um, you know, in your clients' lives. It's beautiful. And thank you to our listeners. And we will connect with you on our next episode. Thank you so much for having me. This has been so fun. I love what you guys are doing. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Love Yourself to Happiness show. If you like what you heard and you're interested to see if you're fit to work with us, here's what to do next. Head over to mayaandmichaela.com forward slash apply and book an appointment to speak with our team. We will get on a call for about 45 minutes and we will work with you to craft a step-by-step game plan to win back 10 hours of free time in your week so you could reconnect and spend more quality time with your loved ones. And we will get you clarity on three things. Number one, we will help you see what mindset shifts need to be made in your life. Number two, you will learn how to create a schedule so that you can flow through motherhood with ease. And number three, you will get in touch with the things that bring you joy so you know what to do with this free time. Whatever your biggest challenges are, we've seen it and we know how to overcome it. Don't do it alone. You need expert guidance to make it happen. We have helped moms get more free time in their week to focus on themselves without sacrificing family time. To see if we can help you do the same, go to mayaandmichaela.com forward slash apply. We look forward to talking to you soon.